0: You're listening to The Dental Life Path, your weekly dose on how to pave your way through dentistry. Meet your host, Dr. Ramshakiran, here to give you an insight on how to diversify, grow, and stay motivated. And now... So, I came across this very interesting article, which was published in 2020. I will link it down in my show notes as well. And it's centered towards a German philosopher, Gedamer's book titled the enigma of health the art of healing in a scientific age and to summarize what it said i'm going to quote its very last paragraph i know it's going to sound fancy but there will be further discussion and elaboration ahead so it says problem solving begins with understanding the underlying phenomena Compassion is a powerful tool when attempting to understand and learn from a patient's experience and narrative. In practical terms, the science of medicine and art of healing require a whole person-centered care approach, being a practice that requires healthcare providers to pay close attention to treating the patient as a person and focus on healing the whole person. Therefore, the addition of philosophical learning can help achieve a balance between physical and metaphysical dimensions of health, thereby allowing the healthcare provider to recognize which subsequent interventions, support, and guidance are necessary to best manage chronic health conditions. Full stop. So, keeping this in mind, today I have along with me Dr. Aisha Faruqi. Who is one of my fellow dentists, a very intellectual, wise young lady. And both of us will be giving you guys a dip into a part of her personal conversation about how we, on a day to day basis, try to understand the psychology that goes alongside patient management. So let's get to it. Okay, so Dr. Aisha. As part of our curriculum, we've studied how patients have been classified according to their mental attitudes. So I want you to begin with sharing an experience that had you thinking, okay, compassion really is a powerful tool when dealing with a certain type of patients.
1: Yeah, you know, you talking about compassion actually has reminded me of this particular patient that I had. I think it was in start of my house job. So the patient was an athlete of the Special Olympics because Althamsha actually provides athletes of Special Olympics with free treatment and I was fortunate enough to be one of the doctors who treated this patient. So I remember she walked in with her mother and she seemed pretty anxious and fearful, you know, like even a normal person is, but people with special needs, especially You know, they have another type of anxiety. I don't exactly remember what her disability was, but it was something mental, right? It it had something to do with her cognitive abilities. So I remember that I didn't have to do much except for I just had to show her compassion in a way that I took interest in her. I asked her what type of sports she played and then she told me about her medals and she just kept on going and I asked her about what she liked to do in her free time, what her life was like, and just taking those extra maybe 10 to 15 minutes to just sit and getting to know the patient, talking to them, making them comfortable with you. That helped both me and the patient throughout the entire process. I had to do her root canal and, you know, a patient has to come for at least four to five appointments in that treatment. And all of those appointments went very smoothly. Mashallah, it came to a point where we didn't even need her mom to stand with us she was very comfortable with me she would come to every appointment she would keep asking for you know where is dr aisha and she would be very excited and i remember when her treatment ended she even said that she'll bring me a gift because she was very happy and it was just very warming and happy to see that this little gesture of yours you know just taking those extra few minutes to connect with the patient that can really help them be comfortable with you. And no matter how difficult the treatment is, they will cooperate and, you know, they will be nice and basically comfortable with you. So yeah, it's a very, very important quality for a dentist to have.
0: Cool. I see how you had a very smooth appointment with the Special Olympics kid. You gave her your time and energy and in return, you got a very smooth appointment. Have you been across patients who are a little tough to deal with? Because I had an attendant once who straight up went like you might have a degree at hand, but I know more medicine than you do. And that for me was a very tough call. I had to keep my nerves pretty calm. So yeah, your thoughts on that
1: obviously when especially when you're a medical worker working in pakistan you deal with this i think everyone has had an experience with this because people usually just tend to think that they know what kind of treatment they need you know they already have a diagnosis in mind they perhaps even a lot of the time they have a treatment in mind and they would come to you and they would say that this is what we want you to do and they will even provide you with a time frame they would even tell you how many appointments they're available for, which is okay. But, you know, a lot of the times when we make a diagnosis, when we prescribe a treatment, it is up to us to decide how many appointments it'll take and how much time it'll take. Because instead of giving An appliance that is bad, that doesn't fit or giving a treatment that is not appropriate. We need to give them the appropriate time frame. So I had this patient, I remember in the prosthodontics rotation, I had to make his denture and he came in and he wanted his dentures to be made as quick as possible. I think I just gave him maybe two weeks because in an OPD setting the lab takes time and you know there are many factors to consider and we do tell patients beforehand we do explain it to them but like most of the time I don't think that they even listen or that they even care they think that because they are traveling to the dental hospital and then because they're paying money they're making all this effort so we should listen to what they want you know the type of treatment they want and he also had issues with a number of appointments that he had to come for I remember he actually also got my somehow and he would not stop calling to ask for his denture. I had to block him a couple of times and then one day he just showed up without an appointment and started yelling. And you know, as a dentist, you have to deal with patients calmly, even if they're yelling, even if they're being aggressive, you have to keep your nerves in control and you have to deal with them. You have to try to explain to them. But there are some patients... Because you have to pick your battles, that you cannot just win with everyone. So in this particular instance, I had to hand him over to my superiors and, you know, I just had to back off. Because this person was very aggressive and he didn't come here to listen. He came here to, you know, get what he wanted. This is not an isolated incident. This happens a lot. People say that they want an extraction when a, when a root canal is indicated. So yeah, it's it is very prevalent in our society and it happens a lot.
0: What are your thoughts on patients living with chronic long-term pain? And don't you think them being accustomed to saying, I know more medicine than you do, is then valid? You know,
1: to understand the pain as a dentist or a doctor and to actually live with that pain long-term is a very different thing. I understood this when I read this thread There was an entire thread on Twitter. Basically, someone, a person tweeted they were suffering from some sort of chronic illness, chronic pain. And they were basically saying that they didn't think that their doctor connected or, you know, understood their pain. A lot of other people who felt the same way, who had some sort of chronic illnesses, were saying the same thing over and over again that, okay, yeah, we are prescribed medicines. But what we want from our doctor is for them to at least have compassion, you know? not dismiss us, basically having a deal with it attitude. And for me, that really put things into perspective. That really made me understand that even we as dentists get patients with like maybe trigeminal neuralgia where even if cold hair hits your face, you get extreme pain. And when we get patients like that, it's sometimes easy for us to just prescribe whatever treatment and, you know, quickly try to just get over that case and move on to the next one. But I think it's important that we just take a few minutes, just listen to the patient's pain and just have a little compassion for them. It really puts them mentally at ease. Because even when you're giving them t- tablets or whatever, for them to know that their doctor actually understands their pain and feels their pain or tries to, that actually really, really helps the patient. And I think that it's a very important quality for a dentist to have, to have that compassion in them.
0: We spoke about how at times patients can be very unrealistic in the sense that they want treatment their way uh, according to their liking and in a frame that they want it to be. And us not being able to provide them with the sort of treatment they want. Do you think this accommodates the idea behind quackery or this mindset of patients accommodates quacks?
1: Yeah, I think quacks are a huge problem in this part of the world. I think more people are going to quacks than they are actually going to actual doctors or dentists. And I think that's apart from economical reasons, I think one reason is that they have a weird kind of trust associated with the quack and the reason for that could be the quack would do whatever the patient would want him to do you know they would provide them with treatment quote-unquote that the patient wants because like let's be honest they aren't actually interested in giving them treatment anyway because they don't know the treatment anyway they think they do but they don't and so if a patient would want something in a particular time frame in a particular price in a particular manner they would give it to them and this gives the patient a false sense of trust obviously that trust isn't real because it is eventually broken when Maybe five years later, maybe two years later, they do find out what happened to them was horribly wrong. And then they do come to us. And I think by that time, it has gone so far along that it has gone bad by that time that it is even difficult, so difficult for us to salvage it. And most of the time we cannot. I think this is one of the reasons why quackery is so prevalent. People just want things done quickly. They don't care about if things are being done properly or not. They just know that, okay, our work is being done I'm going home. I don't have to come again and again. I'm getting my denture made in one day. What else do I want? So yeah, that's that's a pretty big factor.
0: A hundred percent agreeing to this. So lastly, I would want to share with you guys a part of an article that I read and I found it super funny. So the article's name was Why People Become the Victims of Medical Quackery. So it says the appeal of the quack is not unlike that of the gambler. The quack offers a get well quick temptation akin to the gambler's inducement to get rich quick. So thank you Dr. Aisha for joining us today and helping us get the message across of how we need to be a little mindful about our patients, treating the patient as a person and focusing on healing the whole person.